Chapter 7 It was then that Father showed Ian and I what he meant by the phrase, Because you said you would. He showed us how he and Heavenly Mother stood face to face with their hands held out in front of them, palms up and fingertips touching. We watched as a dazzling ball of white light with little gold flecks in it began to form just above their upturned palms as they stared into each other's eyes with pure love. The gold flecks looked like a sparkler that you would give a young child on the 4th of July. When the white ball of light was about as big as a beach ball, they placed it at their feet and began the entire process all over again. Father told us they created every divine spirit this way. He then allowed us to relive events in heaven that all of us were a part of before he placed our divine spirits in human bodies to come to earth. He showed Ian and I that every divine spirit had chosen a path and lessons that each individual spirit wanted to learn, hoping to become more like our father and mother in heaven. He explained how he created everything, including our divine spirit and our physical body. Then each of us chose what we wanted to learn and experience while on earth. Father broke it down to the simplest form by saying, Imagine it this way. I, God, created the Monopoly board, the cards, the fake money, and the pieces you move around the board to represent your progress in the game. You chose which piece to represent you during your human life and how you desired to play. Some divine spirits had only one goal, to avoid landing on the go-directly-to-jail space. Some wanted to focus on regularly passing the go in order to collect their $200 and nothing else. Some wanted to own Boardwalk and Park Place with all hotels in the hopes of controlling the entire board, while others wanted to be the banker and still others wanted to bet everything in hopes of landing on free parking. He continued on to say, I, God, did not intervene with the plans every divine spirit made for themselves, but remained available to each of you for guidance should any of my children ask. Remember that I made one absolute promise to each of you. I promised that I would never take your free will, that you would be allowed to plan and execute your path and lessons as you chose. I gave some very simple rules that must be followed that each divine spirit agreed to. Most importantly, each divine spirit chose a trigger point for themselves. What that means is that I would not change anyone's path unless the individual divine spirit asked me by name to intervene. My job, if you will, would be to put signs on earth to help remind each individual divine spirit what lessons they chose. This would enable them to create their own peace, love, and joy. Father had to remind Ian and I that day of every truth that would affect our path so it could prepare us for the question that would forever change our lives and how we would see this world. It would shift my own personal understanding and perception of every living being on earth. When Father had finished all he had to say about the truth of events of the past, about our future direction, and what we must do to complete Father's task that we had already agreed to in heaven, he was silent for a moment. I believe he was allowing me to gather myself and my thoughts. When he could see that I was focused on him again and eager to hear his next words, he trained those vibrant blue eyes upon me again and asked, Do you accept this, my child? As I said before, you may think that this is a simple question that has a simple answer. It is God, after all. It's not like I could tell him I was hoping to work on my tan that summer or 
suggests maybe we revisit the issue after the holidays. This is God, and he wants an answer right now. I wasn't sure what the chatting with God sitting on the edge of your bed etiquette was exactly. I didn't remember covering this in Sunday school, not even once. I may overstate my abilities when I was a child to pay attention and keep important information, but I really feel like this would be something I would have retained over the years. So I was not sure if he would consider it rude or disrespectful to ask for more time to think about it, or if I could get some clarification on a few points. Could I truly ask God if this would be a part-time or full-time gig? Is this something I can do from home, or will I need to travel? What percentage of time would the travel be? Do you provide medical, dental, vision? Is this position considered management level or more of an entry-level thing? Any room for advancement? Wait, do I have to die for advancement opportunities? Ian won't be my boss, right? Wait, will I have to quit smoking? What about cussing or tattoos? Ian drinks beer. Will that be a problem? We are only human after all. But the intense peace, love, and joy, which is the absence of fear that he promised was a good selling point. All our fears were lies to keep us ignorant of Father's truth. So with a nod, I humbly said, Yes, Father, I accept. I instantly felt the peace, love, and joy that Father had promised would come over me. It came in a wave that was so intense, I almost didn't hear his next words. It was as if every fear I had ever felt just melted away. All my life, society has taught me I must have faith that Father is there and hope that he will bless me with his forgiveness and mercy, to hope that I could someday be worthy of his love. I suddenly knew that there was something more than faith. This was not faith or hope. It was actual knowing. With knowing, you do not hope he is there. You know with a certainty he is there and will guide you to peace, love, and joy. You suddenly know that you were born worthy of his love and grace, that you need not seek his mercy, for he does not punish us here on the earth for using our free will. You know that he will never punish us for using the gift he gave us with the promise to never take it. I felt a sense of knowing that I was unaware was even possible on earth. It was a knowing of Father with a surety that could not be shook. I explained the difference between faith and knowing to my clients with the following comparison. Father appears to you and explains that he wants you to drive 100 miles in your car, knowing your gas tank is on empty. He has a $5 bill in his hand to give to you for gas. The person with faith will gingerly take the money from Father, careful to make sure to immediately put it in a safe place. Faith will then cautiously get in their car and adjust their seat and mirror while looking down at the gas gauge. They would carefully exit their driveway and begin to drive down the road, vigilant not to drive to use more gas than necessary. The person with faith would make their very first stop the gas station and put the entire $5 in the tank, praying the entire time that it will be enough. Faith will then send another prayer while telling themselves that they have faith that they will make it. Faith will check the gas gauge every few minutes the entire 100 miles person with knowing would first scream with excitement that father is sending them on a new adventure. Then, knowing would tell father to keep the $5 bill while running to the car. Knowing would then squeal their tires while flying out of the driveway, then slam on the gas, gunning the engine before speeding down the road. Person with knowing would drive like their hair was on fire for 100 miles and never once look at the gas gauge because they know with a surety that cannot be shook 
that father will never ask them to go down a path that he hasn't already cleared the way for. I felt as though I was about to explode with the heavenly energy coursing through me when father focused those intense blue eyes on me again, and I knew that the words he was about to speak were vital for me to remember. Father said in a very clear and firm voice, My child, from this day forward, you will be known as my oracle. You will not lie. You will not cheat. You will not steal. You will do nothing to disgrace my name. Strangely enough, the words did not surprise me. It was almost as if I was expecting them, even though I was not sure what an oracle was. I've seen The Matrix like everybody else, but was that a true and accurate portrayal of an oracle? Instantly, memories from my childhood began to flood back to me. These memories were not of fear or terror, though. They were memories of a man standing with me in the long line of evergreen and pine trees that my adopted father had referred to as a shelter belt. This shelter belt was on that farm where so much sadness and horror had occurred when I was a child, where the massacre of my beloved Barbie Susan and her girls occurred. I spent so much of my time in that shelter belt while making friends with all of the horses and cows that lived on our farm. The animals were my loving family, and the shelter belt was my safe space. I could escape from the terror that awaited me inside the house while spending time with my animal family. The animals would always be happy to see me. They truly accepted me for me, not caring that I was different. They gave me the one thing I had craved most since the day my mother took my dad from me unconditional love. Each day, when I would make my way to the tree line, my posse of cats would follow me. At first, I thought it was to sample my mud pies. They were exceptional. Then, I decided I must be a cat whisperer because they just followed me, no questions asked. I would make the most amazing mud pies while talking to the cats in those trees. I would also listen to the most amazing stories told by my very best friend. In blocking out my childhood, I had also blocked out my very best friend. I began to cry with gratitude at the memory of my one true friend as a child. My very best friend, that's what I called him, showed up in the shelter belt one day. One minute I was alone, then suddenly he just appeared. I had a close call that day with my brother during one of his assassination attempts. I had zigged when I should have zagged and fallen while trying to get away. I told you zigzag running was an important skill. I cut my leg bad and could not get it to stop bleeding. I could not go into the house to get first aid supplies or water to clean it for at least another hour. That would be when my adopted father should get home. I hope I didn't leave a blood trail, I thought to myself, as I was putting pressure on my leg to slow down the bleeding. No sooner did I have that thought when my very best friend just appeared in front of me with a bucket of water and bandages. He never told me why he was there, and I never asked. I never even thought to ask why. It just seemed normal, like... He had always been there. I always felt safe and peaceful when he was there, and I wasn't alone anymore. He would tell me the most amazing stories about a rainstorm that caused a huge flood, a guy with a big stick that could make water part to save his friends from some bad guys, and a dude on his boat that got swallowed by a huge whale and then shot out the blowhole of the whale. I told my very best friend that I could relate to the whale and the blowhole because sometimes I have big poops too. He was so patient when he explained to me what a blowhole was. Sometimes, my very best friend would stay the night in my room with me. It wasn't something arranged ahead of time. I never even thought to ask my mom for permission. She couldn't see him. Actually, no one could see him but me.
We would play for hours together and talk about everything that came to my immature mind. He was always there holding my hand when the monster came into my room at night. My very best friend would distract me by telling me stories about a brave woman and a mighty warrior that would someday speak God's truth and teach all of God's children to hear him so that they could live in peace, love, and joy. I would ask my very best friend if he thought that brave woman and her warrior would come and help me live in peace, love, and joy. He would always answer the same way. That brave woman has been with you since the day you were born, child. Her warrior will appear when you are ready to see him, he would say. I didn't understand what all of that meant, but the words comforted me, so I didn't ask him to explain them. On the unbearably bad nights with the monster in my room, my very best friend would distract me by showing me a magnificent garden with a golden river that he called the essence of life. There was a beautiful woman with the most loving and kind smile that was always in the garden waiting for us to arrive. She would hold out her arms for an affectionate hug when she saw me. After the monster would leave my room, my very best friend would hold me and cry with me. My very best friend was the same being that was standing in front of me now. My very best friend was God. He had been with me through all of it. He had placed the piles of hay in just the right spot to catch me as my brother tossed me off the barn. My very best friend had given me breath while I was being held under water. He had calmed the horse every time my brother had spooked the horse. He had made the gun misfire the day I fell and cut my leg, giving me time to get away. He had held my hand during the worst moments of my life, just as God and I had agreed upon before I ever came to this earth. I remembered all of it. It was as if God had downloaded a massive new computer program in my brain that removed all of the false data. It was a clarity and a knowing that I cannot describe in human words. I fully knew of what my future path would be and that healing fractures in the divine spirit would be a large part of that. I would speak truth, Father's truth, which I now remembered was my truth too. It would be my job to speak my truth with no fear of judgment. It would not be my job to force or convince anyone to believe it, just to allow their divine spirit to hear it and to use their free will to decide their path with no judgment. If it feels like truth to them, that's awesome. If it does not feel like their truth, that is okay too. There would be no need to decide who was right or who was wrong. We are all born more than enough to be exactly who we choose to be. It is not my place to make you believe me, but to give you the information to decide for yourself and to love the person you choose to be, even if I disagree. I am human and flawed, just like everyone else. So what is divine about me? Nothing and everything, the same as you. We are all the same and we are all different. No human is more vital than another. This process will be a lifetime of learning for me. I am working towards and will someday be able to love the monster for being the adversity I needed in my life as a child. It was so vital for me to grow into the brave woman I heard stories about from my very best friend. Society tells us from birth that everyone must be the same with identical desires and wants. This is a lie. Each divine spirit has a specific path that they chose for themselves before they ever came to this earth. If everyone had only the desire to work at McDonald's, 
who would raise the cows to make the burgers? Who would God love more, the farmer or the worker making fries? The answer is, he loves both the farmer and the maker of the fries the same. He loves me and you the same. He told Ian and I that often he sends people instead of events to provide the signs to point his children to their own peace, love, and joy. Father said to me, I know you as a mother. I have watched you as you have asked one of your beautiful children to speak to their sibling on your behalf when you could see that you were not speaking in a manner that your child could understand. I, your father in heaven, do this as well. My daughter, I must ask, would you then be silent when your child was ready to speak to you? Again, my child, am I a lesser parent than you? No, father, you are not, I proudly said. Father is constantly speaking to all of us. He loves us exactly as we are and only wants our happiness. He is just a dad, a dad that loves his children.